this is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two fantastic human beings, Paul Jaisley. Hello. And Kate Lamphere. Hi. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm so glad that you're here. I am falling apart at the seams <laughs> after New York City Comic Con this weekend. So I just want to jump right into everything. I had such a great time. But I'm going to ask the question I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate. I've been good. Since the last time I talked to you, I cut my hand open, got stitches, and then got the stitches oh, removed. Really? So it's been a little while. <laughs> wow. And now I can't feel part of my finger. Oh, That's no. okay. It'll heal. Maybe. <laughs> Was this like some terrible accident or did like a rabid dog bite you or something? Yeah. That it was a knife sounds, fight, right? That sounds it was a knife more fight. exciting. Yeah, knife fight. That, that's right. With the dishes. Uh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, I've been, I've been great other than that. Um, okay. The, the minor freak out that I had and going to the hospital at nine o'clock at night. Right, uh, right. <clears throat> I recently read Speak by Laurie Haltz Anderson and drawn by Emily Carroll. This is an adaptation of a 1999 young adult book that was put on the banned books list for discussing rape. And then there was a 2004 movie with Kristen Stewart that was also pretty good. So if this sounds familiar, that's why. Okay. Um, I thought that this was really good um it's it deals with the depression that this girl goes through after getting attacked at a par- at a summer party the summer before she starts high school so she's 13 when this happens and it talks about or it discusses how like all the reasons that she doesn't come forward with it like people know that s- that something happened she ended up calling the cops in the backstory um when when she was attacked mm-hmm. and she didn't tell them what happened, but they ended up busting this party where there's a lot of drinking. So she starts high school with everybody hating her for breaking up this party, but nobody knowing why she did it. Interesting. Um, so she, you know, she skips school, her grades plummet, everything like that. So it goes through the entire year of her dealing with this and trying to figure out if she wants to do anything about it. Um, so it's just, it talks about why people don't come forward immediately sometimes. And I think that right now with all of the the current events that are going on, the Me Too movement and everything, and then this resurgence in comics in the last decade or so, it was a really good time for this adaptation to come around. And I actually thought that this, um, I thought that it had been put out in the last year or two, but it turns out that it was just earlier this year. So it's very current. And they really, they brought, they brought it up to speed up to the current day with adding, you know, new technology and everything that didn't, that wasn't around uh, about 20 years ago. So. Hmm. Um, and I thought that Emily Carroll did a really good job. She's a really good pair for this book. And the uh, the introduction by the authors actually says that, and I really agree. I just read Through the Woods by Emily Carroll, so I had this like soft oh, horror man. tone with her in my head. And it just paired really well with this like fear that this girl is going through. So, gotcha. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then the other thing I read I wanted to talk about was I got up to speed with Lady Mechanica finally. I actually was missing mm-hmm. my number one that I knew I bought. And it turns out that I put it away where it's supposed to go. <laughs> 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 so the last place. Yeah, the last place I'd look. <laughs> but so I um, so I started reading number one and I realized that I had I was missing something. I was missing part of the story. And it turns out that it was actually in the free comic book day issue that was released. And I missed free comic book day. But thankfully, Comixology still had it. So thanks, Comixology. 
Uh, but this <laughs> <laughs> this might be my favorite mini yet, but that's really hard to say because these minis are all really good. Um, this one, uh, so this is by Joe Benitez, and he does a really good job of making the secondary characters come to life. And in this one, I don't know if it's going to be a longer mini or what. They're usually around four issues. This one, maybe it's longer because there's probably two subplots along with the main plot. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so invested. It's so good. <laughs> if you haven't read Lady Mechanica yet, grab that free comic book day issue. And then there's two issues that you can pick up at your local comic shop because this is great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this, now Lady Mechanica, this is like a longer running series, isn't it? It's been out for a little while, right? Yeah, I picked up, I happened to pick up the very first issue zero a couple of years ago because I liked the cover, right. which the covers are a little bit sexist, like all the clothes are really tight and everything, but it yeah, avoids yeah. it avoids like any like Hawkeye initiative poses or anything, so it's not as bad as it could be. Yeah, okay. I don't know if that makes it, you know, good in that way. But the story is great, um, and mm-hmm. there, it's just a series of minis. The minis are anywhere. F- uh, the, the longest is either four or five issues, I want to say, and then the shortest is actually two issues. So I think that there's five minis um, at this point, and this is gotcha. the latest one. This this mini is called uh, La, Bal- La Belle Dame Sans Merci. So the beautiful woman without mercy, I think, is what that means. Gotcha. And it's yeah, all it's about a- yeah, it's all about Lady Mechanica trying to figure out why she has mechanical arms and legs and eyes. <laughs> like somebody did this to her, and she doesn't remember. So that's what the overarching plot is um, through all these minis. Cool. I, I saw a lot of Lady Mechanica art actually at New York City Comic Con. At least two or three people, I think, who worked on some of this book at some point were there. So a um, lot of representation, which that's really cool. I, I knew that this book had been around for a while. I just I never actually sat down to read it. So maybe I'll have to grab this free comic book day issue and get roped in. Just like everything yeah. else you guys tell me to read. Yep. <laughs> you bastards. That's I right. agree. <laughs> cool. Well, Paul, you know, how have you been? How have comic books been? Oh, I've been great. Um enjoying a relaxing weekend here in Grand Rapids. And um, I took some time to read some comics, which is very nice. Um, the weather was was uh, accommodating since it's a little bit cooler, uh, inviting to sit down inside and just read for a while. We'll talk about that nice. later this episode, I think. Um, yeah. But the stuff I read this week, uh, things I want to highlight, I read all of the NXT TakeOver one-shots that Boom Studios put out. So cool. Boom does the the ongoing WWE comic, which has been been pretty entertaining. But for September, they basically took did an NXT TakeOver where every week there was a one-shot that focused on the history of the NXT brand of WWE, which I know mm-hmm. Mike is a big fan of. That's why I want to talk about it oh, on yeah. the show. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so I would really recommend these books, Mike. If you, if you are interested in wrestling or you know a little bit about NXT, these were actually really fun because each one-shot um, covered a period of the – the brand's history. So it's almost like you got a, an entire introduction to what NXT is over the course of the four mini, uh, the four one shots. So cool. if you're someone like me who has been watching NXT for like five or six years now, you know all this stuff and it's fun to revisit these storylines. If you're only just started watching, you don't know much about NXT, you'll get the whole storyline basically. Um, so awesome. there's, like I said, there's four of them. There's the blueprint, proving ground into the fire and redemption. And what's cool is that each one is told through the viewpoint of a different person. So like the first issue is all about is told 
uh, by Dusty Rhodes, the guy who was like the first general manager of NXT, the American Dream legendary wrestler. So it's mm-hmm. all about him talking about training young up and coming wrestlers. And then there's the next issue is like narrated by Samoa Joe talking about his quest to be the champion. There's an issue that's um, narrated by Paige scouting talent. And then the last one is narrated by Aleister Black, which is actually really cool to hear him like give his uh, his viewpoint of the situation. But awesome. it, they're all written by Dennis Hopeless. A variety of uh, various artists did each one, but of course I can't remember who did which issue, but it's all very good stuff. Uh, these NXT WWE comics have been surprisingly entertaining uh, for wrestling comics. Um, so yeah, Mike, you especially should check that out. Yeah, I, I've seen the covers. Like I walked by them at Midtown. I've seen them promote on like Comicsology site, and I was just like, oh, I know some of these characters. Oh, that's Alistair Black. Like I, I got really excited when the last one came out because yeah. I think that's closer to like the stuff that I've been watching. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And I was just like, Where's my Ricochet issue? <laughs> I know. I kind of all... want them to keep going. I'm like, Yeah, this is yeah. really good. This is stuff I I really enjoy watching anyway. And so reading the sort of you know, the fictionalized, you know, kayfabe version of it in comics is pretty entertaining. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think I'll have to grab these. At, I, if, if it's going to give me a good history into NXT, I think that's like the one thing that I've been missing is just all of the backstory that kind of builds into it. Yeah, um, so yeah. I'll, I'll definitely have to grab these then. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad to hear that, Mike. So, yeah, you'll enjoy them. So <laughs> um, the other thing I read this week that I wanted to make sure I talked about was uh, I heard obviously like everyone else more sad comic book news this past week uh carlos Esguera, the artist who co-created judge dread passed away uh, last monday i think he was 70 years old he worked at 2000 ad the british comic book uh you know iconic british comic book series for decades he co-created judge dread that's probably what he's best known for he did uh strontium dog stainless steel rat but Obviously, he's going to be remembered as being the guy who co-created Judge Dredd and, more importantly, designed the Judge Dredd uniform, which is one of the most iconic images in comic book history. I mean, totally. everyone knows what Judge Dredd looks like. So um, it's obviously sad news. I, I dug through my back issues here, my my archives, and I have a bunch of uh, 2008 reprints. So back in the, I think, late 80s, an American comic book company had the rights to 2008 and republished a lot of the 2008 stuff in like 22 page comic book format for the American market. So I have a bunch of those reprints and I have the issues that reprint the apocalypse war, which is arguably the greatest judge dread story ever told. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was originally published back in 1982 in 2000 AD. And this is the story where uh, East Meg one, the Soviet mega city attacks mega city one and basically destroys mega city one, or at least a third of mega city one. And it was fun to go back and reread that because I forgot just how fast-paced that story is. It's a 25-chapter story. And, of course, 2000 AD, because it's an anthology, each chapter is only, like, maybe, like, six pages, if that. So it's a little chunks of story. But by the time you get to, like, chapter five, like, 150 million people in East Meg 1, in uh, Mega City 1, have been killed. You're like, how can the story go any further? But it keeps going and building (laughs) at this amazing rate. And uh, um, I guess spoiler alert for a 36-year-old comic book, um, <laughs> the, the, it ends with Judge Dredd leading a small gru- group of judges to the Soviet East Meg 1 city and destroying it. They kill like a billion people. They destroy East Meg 1. Oh, man. So you have Judge Dredd basically committing genocide at the end of the story, which fundamentally changes the character and the series. I just love the audacity of John Wagner, the writer, and Carlos Esguera, the artist, to say like, yeah, Judge Dredd is not a good character. He looks cool, and he, we can tell these amazing stories about him, but fundamentally, he 
commits genocide at the end of the story. And that has had reverberations throughout the past, you know, 40 years of Dre- of Judge Dredd stories almost. So That's that wild. still affects stories that are coming out now. So it's, it's amazing to go back and reread that. And Esguera's art is fantastic. There's so many amazing like double page spreads that are just stunning. Him just recapping what's happened before and in the previous chapters. And then the fact that he only has like five or six pages per chapter to tell his thing. The storytelling is so economical. It's amazing how, how good of a storyteller he was visually. So if you want to reread this, I highly recommend it. If you want to check it out, if you don't know much about Judge Dredd, um, it's republished in the Complete Case Files number five. And that's a good jumping on point because you get a nice recap of what Judge Dredd is, the setting of Mega City One. You get Black Mania, which is a story that leads into the Apocalypse War. And then you get all of the Apocalypse War in that volume. So if you've been waiting or trying to figure out how to get into Judge Dredd, that's your jumping on point. And I think uh, now's uh, the best time to do it. So, yeah. Totally. Check it out. Oh, man. You, you've you've made me interested in Judge Dredd yet again, Paul. Yet again. <laughs> okay. That's what I do. Cool, man. Uh, well, for me this week, I, I read a bunch of stuff, but uh, I did sit down and I read Border Town number one after high recommendations from Paul. Um, this is like, I wanted to grab this book anyways, but I, it happened to be on sale and I had like this coupon on Comixology. I was like, all right, let's just do this. Let's pull the trigger. Because I grabbed this and I grabbed Euthanauts um, because I totally forgot that that book came out and then you mentioned it on the show, Paul. So I was like, I got to get all this stuff. Um, Border Town number one, that was such a fantastic read. I know Paul already talked about it. Um, but yeah, R- Ramon Villalobos' art is <laughs> unparalleled. Some of the stuff <laughs> that he does, there's one single page spread, or there's one single page of six frames that just has the funniest idea about basically that encapsulates like what's going on in the book. And mm-hmm. uh, the funniest part about it is when there was a kid sitting dressed as Batman and his ultimate fear is Bane. And <laughs> yep. uh, it's, yep. I won't go any further than that because you really should read Border Town because I think like Paul has said, it's a very important book. Um, but yeah, I read that and I, I was very pleased. I am definitely on board for this book. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Uh, the other book that I read was a bit of a longer book, but this is an Ignatz Award nominee for Outstanding Series, uh, Bug Boys Volume 1 by Laura, I'm going to murder her last name, Netzger, I'm going to say. And uh, she, I don't, I don't know where this book came from. I don't know where what it came out of. Like, Laura, I guess, sat down. She made this book. It, it seems like it was like a zine-style story that got collected into a 12-issue volume. It's like over 300 pages. I sat down and could not stop reading it. It was such, in, such a very nice book to read that's just good. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe it because there was a lot of really good plot development. There's a lot of good character development. Um, it's really adorable. It's drawn in this cartoonish way that just kind of makes you feel like a kid again. And from beginning to end, I felt like I really was attached to these characters. And every character that got introduced and was given a little bit of story was just as memorable and just as well-written and had a strong voice independent of all the other characters. Um, but on the whole, this story is about two beetles. Their names are Stag Bee and Rhino Bee. And they live, <laughs> they're looking for adventure and they live in Bug Village. We find out later in the story that Bug Village is like an amalgamation of multiple bug cities that came together after some great catastrophe. Um, throughout the book, we get to see kind of like the day-to-day life of Bug Village and how Stag Bee and Rhino Bee live. We get to meet the dragonflies who are the mail carriers. We meet this old librarian <laughs> who's a spider, and she she kind of wants to eat other bugs, but she knows that other bugs don't like that. So that's kind of like a fun joke. Um 
we get to experience the mysteries of the quote-unquote giants, aka humans, and uh, we find out that the bugs have a very extensive library, but sometimes they translate giant books into bug-sized books so that you can read, you know, these giant stories, including comic books, and one of the biggest problems that the spider librarian has is that there's an entire series about a spider-man, and yet the <laughs> spider only gets three panels. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's, good. They go to the beach. They do all sorts of things. I mean, honestly, there's a really, in, really nice issue, um, issue ten, I think it was. It was about depression and like mania, and I, I really enjoyed the way that she approached how that can affect someone, and she personified it in two different characters. Honestly. I really, I read this whole book in a city and I told myself I was only going to read like half of it because it's really long. Um, but I sat, I read, I sat and read the entire thing from beginning to end. It's such a fantastic book. It really, really deserved the Outstanding Series nomination. I'm sure that whatever won the award deserved it as well. But holy cow, I haven't been like drawn into a book like this in a very long time. It's quite honestly one of the best books I've read in a while. So if you get a chance to pick this up, it's on Comixology, it's on Amazon. It is a very thick book, but it is beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. So that's I, I I could really just pour my heart out about this book. <laughs> wow. and it's it's so so good. Um, and really it's it's a it's a nice break from probably like any other kind of action or edgy books that you may be reading. If you want just something that's really nice and not tied to another licensed property. <laughs> <laughs> because you can read those types of stories that are, but they're usually tied to licensed properties. I think Bug Boys is a is a perfect example of that. Um, so yeah, let's let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are coming out this upcoming week. Comic books are released on October tenth, two thousand eighteen. What are you both excited for this week? Let's let's start with you, Paul. Well, I'm excited for the new Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips joint. Obviously, um, my oh, heroes yeah. have always been junkies. What's interesting about this book? I think is that it, they're publishing it as a standalone graphic novel, not as a series. Yeah. Which one of my favorite things about Brubaker and Phillips, and I know I've talked about them endlessly on this podcast, but I love their storytelling pacing. Like I love the way that each chapter kind of stands alone, yet wants you leaves you wanting the next, you know, chapter. Yeah. Each issue kind of you can basically read their comics, I think, individually. I one of those series I think functions better as a monthly series as opposed to a trade. But the fact that they're doing a standalone book and not a series makes me wonder if that's gonna really change the way the storytelling pacing or the way I think about the the story itself. So mm-hmm. you know, um I don't know much about the uh, the plot. It doesn't matter <laughs> to me what it's about <laughs> because I yeah. just love their stuff so much. So I think the, the cover alone sold me when they posted the image of that Brubaker cover of just the woman's face with the pastel blue background. And it's very striking, almost like a Andy Warhol type portrait, you know, like a screen printed portrait. I was like, I don't care what this book is about. I'm buying that. I'm going <laughs> to probably going to like it. So that's yeah. what I'm going to buy. And Mike, you are, you actually have a copy already. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I happened to pick it up at New York City Comic Con. They, I had a copy pre-ordered because pre-ordering graphic novels at Midtown Comics is iffy sometimes for me. Um, so I usually pre-order that stuff like on Amazon and get it delivered directly to my door. But, you know, so I, I was walking around the con and I happened to see the image booth had a copy of it. Like they had a stack of them. And I was like, oh, well, I jumped on Amazon and canceled my pre-order and then just bought one right there. Awesome. Uh, it's awesome. And it, it's a beautiful looking book. Um, the colors aren't aren't done by uh, Betty Brightweiser like they normally are or have been on the last couple like Brubaker Phillips books. Um, they're instead done by Sean Phillips's son. 
Um, okay. So that's like a, an interesting change. And you, if you look at the inside of the book, it's the cover is a signifier of what the rest of the book is going to look like. It's got that okay. hot pastel color all over the book from beginning to end. So nice. it's, it's beautiful looking. I haven't read it yet, though. Okay. Well, then, uh, yeah, maybe we can pair notes uh, next week. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. (laughs) Um, Kate, what are you excited for this week? The final issue of The Wilds is coming out, and I'm pretty stoked about it. This is by by Vita Ayala and Emily Pearson. We had them on the show a while back, so you can go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. And this is the the fifth issue of five, and number four really set up the plot for this for this final issue so i'm mm-hmm. i'm pretty excited to see how they wrap everything up um this this series has a little bit of everything it's got some suspense it's got some romance it's got some mystery to it it's got abominations or zombies <laughs> <laughs> um i really like the art um the zombies have this like flowers different plants growing out of them and i i really enjoy that unique take so if you haven't checked out this series yet i highly re- recommend picking up um i assume that there's going to be a trade Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, little minor spoilers for what's coming up on the show. We're actually going to have Emily back with another writer for a new book that's coming out. So look forward to that, folks. Um, But that's all I'll say about that. Uh, For me, (laughs) uh, uh, thank you for not spoiling, by the way, Kate, because I haven't read number four yet. So (laughs) I'm catching up with this week's um, issue. Uh, but for me this week, I'm super excited about Iceman number two. Of course, it's an X-Men book. Of course, it's Iceman. Cena Grace... Nathan Stockman, this is a fantastic book. Iceman's back, and he fucking deserves to be because, man, this book really, really rocks. I I, I was sad to see that the series ended um, previously. You know, Cena Grace had an, a previous run on Iceman, and so this book picks up shortly after. Like, there's you don't need to read the previous Iceman run in order to jump into this one. Um, I, strangely enough, though, you kind of have to read X-Men Gold to pick up this issue or this series. So there's like a lot of really weird like connections back to some other stuff that's been happening in the X-Men universe, um, but which I'm okay with because I'm reading all the things. But I think if you kind of jumped into this blind, you might be a little lost on some of the throwaway details that they that I don't know. Iceman uses when he's talking to other people. But issue one ended with a really cool fun thing with Emma Frost and so I'm really excited to see how this plays out in the next issue um it's it's prim and proper meets dummy smartass and that's kind of like perfect (laughs) to me I don't know like in my head I know that these two have interacted a lot before but I can't for the life of me think of where and when I just know that the two of them coming together always results in a really good story and I I just really like the way that Cena Grace has been has written Emma Frost in the past um in brief moments so the other thing I can say is they both kind of turn into ice and glass, and I guess that makes them instant best friends or something, <laughs> even though they're kind of enemies, because Emma Frost is still kind of a bad guy right now for any of you ex-folks out there keeping up with the times. Um, this week, she's a bad guy. Next week, she might be a good guy. Who knows? Um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how this issue plays out, because she's in her old Emma Frost white queen outfit compared to the like weird dark angsty i'm gonna kill everyone outfit that she was wearing back during death of x so we'll see i don't i feel like we haven't seen a lot of emma frost lately so i'm really excited to see like what happens in this next issue so i'm i'm, I'm jazzed 
You're excited about an X-Men comic, Mike? I know. I know. Well, I mean, this is coming off this is coming off of last week when I said that I was worried about the number of X-Men books that were right. coming out. And I yeah. mean, Shatterstar number 1 came out. I haven't read it yet. I haven't had a chance to. Um, but uh, I know that there's a lot of X-Men books coming out. There's all these X-Men Black one-shots coming out, and I just uh, it makes me really nervous cuz as soon as they push a huge wave of X-Men comics, they go, "Oh, these aren't selling." And it's probably cuz there's 55,000 <laughs> books to buy. Um, and you can only pick so many. Uh, so it's it's interesting. But Iceman is a solid book. I think they're doing a great job. Um, I mean, Cena Grace, I trust him with my life at this point when it comes to Iceman. <laughs> so that's me. Before we start the show this week, I want to remind everyone that we have a Q&A episode coming up on November 14. So if you have any questions you want to hear us at I Read Comic Books Answer, make sure to send us an email at ircb at destroythesive.org or post your question publicly with the hashtag ircbqa on Twitter and we'll make sure to bring it into the next Q&A episode. That's also the same day that our zine drops, so look forward to that. It's going to be a super good one. Uh, but anyways, this week's show is its a topic that I didn't know how to address at all, and I was very confused about, and it was an idea that Kate had, and I was like, Kate, what the fuck are we actually going to talk about? <laughs> and it turns out, this is a really good topic. It turns out, I have a lot to say about this topic, and I think that Paul and Kate, who had the topic idea, have a lot to say about it. And the question is, how do your reading habits change with the season? I did not know that mine did, but I turns out I have a whole system. So before I go into my whole spiel that makes me seem like I should be locked up in an insane asylum, <laughs> Kate and Paul, I want to hear what you guys have to say. How do your reading habits change as the seasons change throughout the year? Well, I think um, we're, we're entering autumn right now if we're not already in it. Um, and obviously the weather changes with the seasons. And I think that changes how much I read. I feel like obviously if it's cooler outside, you spend more time inside and more time with books. Uh, so mm-hmm. I definitely feel like once the weather cools down, I feel more inclined to read more. But that also changes the type of stuff I'm looking for. I think I want something to be a little more engaging or in-depth, you know, maybe a long-running series I can really sink my teeth into, or maybe some some indie books that are a little bit more, quite a little bit more attention, not the sort of blockbuster popcorn superhero stuff I tend to read during the summer. Gotcha. You know, so something a bit more in depth and deeper, and I can actually sit down and read for a couple hours and get just lose myself in a story. I think that is something I do more, obviously, in fall and winter. Gotcha. What about you, Kate? Um, so as the season is changing, it's getting um, cold pretty quickly here. You know, the night is coming sooner and everything, and that makes me really get into the mindset of Halloween is coming. Um, everything is creepy sooner during the day. <laughs> uh, and f- the last couple of years, I, I noticed that I've been really attracted to horror in general, but particularly around this time of year, maybe mid-September, especially once October starts. And so during October in the last couple of years, I've reread Witches a few times. I read Jughead the Hunger, only volume one so far. Hopefully um, I'll mm-hmm, read more mm-hmm. of that soon. And then Revival is the book of the month for this month's Goodreads, and I'm really looking forward to that. So this time of year, I'm really into, you know, dark um, dark and creepy, <laughs> just like the Are season. Are you okay? Are you all right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
And then uh, following that, I've noticed that once the snow starts coming, once you start seeing more Christmas decorations, which is sooner and sooner now, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. it really November puts... November 1st yeah, is Christmas season. Yeah, it really puts me into the mood for, to read something snowy. So one year I read Klaus, um, another year I read Snowblind. Um, I, just, I just recently read um, Nuclear Winter that's put out, I think, by Boom. Um, and that's about, um, you know, winter. <laughs> There's a lot of snow. Uh, <laughs> a little different, but it's winter, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe for a bad reason. Uh, yeah, nuclear yeah. reason. Um, but then going back after that and looking at my, my Goodreads reading habits, since I, since I add everything to that system, I've noticed that I, I tend to read more on the weekends, like I bundle up um, in a blanket, get some hot tea um, going and really like binge things on the weekend. I'll read, you know, 15 books a day or something, issues, 15 issues a day, um, pretty frequently on the weekends. But then during the summer, I don't have as much time on the weekends, but I do, um, I'll, I'll read a couple of issues a few nights a week, mostly because I can sit down in front of the air conditioner. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it really depends on like, you know, um, the temperature. And, and in our apartment, if I'm bundled up binging or if I'm, you know, sprawled out just trying to read a couple of things and stay cool. Um, and then I also, I really like to read outside. So I've got this, this giant patio chair that I drove all around town a couple of uh, years back after we moved into our apartment here, looking for a nice, big, comfortable Adirondack chair. And I barely fit it into my <laughs> tiny little Ford Fiesta. But <laughs> long story short is that I, uh, I pull that out anytime the weather's nice and try to read a couple of times a year outside um, when it's not too hot or too cold or too wet which is very rare it turns out <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but that's how I've read I've, I've gotten through some big piles is on the days where it's it's nice enough to read outside gotcha see yeah that's that's interesting because I I do this thing where I track all of my reading on in a spreadsheet so I every book starting I think it started in March of last year. Uh, I started tracking everything that I could, re- like reading-wise, in a an Excel spreadsheet on Google, right? So I've got this Google Excel spreadsheet that's got like, it just it's tracking all the books independently, and then I've got like a graph that shows me reads by publisher, and then I've got another graph that shows me, you know, all of the books as I read day by day, because I give everything like a publisher, a title, and then the date that I read it. And I cheat a little bit because I do say like, oh, if it's after midnight, you know, then that book counts for the next day. So there is one day, I think last year I read 17 books in one day. And this year I read <laughs> I read 18 books in one day. And that's probably because I like read some books in the middle of the night. And then the next day I read more books during the day. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit of cheating. But nonetheless, like I can see my trends of reading throughout the year. And it looks like I read the most... At the beginning of the year and in the middle of the year, but then there's just like a dip in the middle. So like summertime, it looks like I do read probably the most, but I I feel like I I do more binging in the summer because like I don't get to read a lot during the week because I'm like out doing stuff. I'm being like maybe more outdoorsy. That's totally not true. I'm not being outdoorsy <laughs> at all, uh, but I'm just doing more things, you know? 
And during the winter, it's like I'm reading more and more like over like every day. So I'm probably consistently reading like five or six books where like every day versus during the summer, it's like I'll have spouts of like I didn't read for six days and then I read 20 books in one day um, because I just need to catch up on everything. Um, plus, it, it also depends on, you know, what books. If I'm traveling, I'll probably do a little bit more reading and stuff. Um, and that tends to happen a little bit more during the summer than the winter. So, uh, yeah, that's it's it's really bizarre. I mean, I've I've kind of looked like did a quick skim over all of my books and <laughs> my like general categories tend to be springtime. I do more binging summertime. I read a lot of manga during the fall. I read a lot of X-Men and during the winter. I read a lot of like independent books and X-Men books. Um, <laughs> honestly, X-Men could probably apply to all of those because I'm always reading <laughs> X-Men. But if you look at like the mass number of things, I do the most X-Men reading during the fall. And that includes not just recent like weekly books, but also, you know, binging old stuff or reading, you know, books that I hadn't read or rereading things like new X-Men or extreme X-Men. Um, because those will always have places in my heart or new X-Men that uh, the Academy X, which is just like the best teen stories ever. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I've been but I've been doing a lot of more a lot more manga reading in probably the last two years. And what's interesting is that I do find myself reading more manga outside, like when it is warmer, which I think contributes to like the summertime thing, because reading manga volumes outside doesn't feel like I'm potentially like damaging or ruining the books because manga books are not to say that they aren't like a piece of valued art by any means, but they feel like more disposable than say like your, your full glossy paged blah, 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 you know, X-Men books that you have. Um, to me, like when I'm thinking of like things that I value when it comes to manga, it's not necessarily the individual books themselves, but it's the stories and like the paraphernalia that goes along with it because there's usually a lot of it. So if you're reading something like Bleach or you're reading something like, especially when it comes to bigger books, right? If you're reading a lot of shonen books in general, like Bleach or My Hero Academia or Haikyuu or something, which are my go-to big boys right now. <laughs> um, those books, like the, the stories themselves are great and the actual volumes themselves are fantastic to read because they, you read a whole volume and you feel like you get a real nice chunk of the story. Um, but it's the paraphernalia, it's the, it's the extra stuff on top of the stories that actually holds a lot of the, like, I, I guess like personal value, at least when it comes to me. So I don't feel like I'm really ruining the book when I take it outside. Like I would like my trades or my single issues, God forbid. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, I, I read my single issues outside all the time, especially in the summer. Yeah, um, yeah. But it can be tough because, like you said, the glossy page, sometimes you can't see. I have a hard time reading on my tablet outside in the summer because it gets oh, you, yeah. know, you can't see it so well. So, yeah. Um, what's interesting, I think this past summer, getting a new tablet and discovering the treasure trove of comics that is hoopla i binge reads a lot i binge read a lot more this summer than i have in the past but it was all it was all mediocre 80s superman comics <laughs> you know so this thing where i felt like in the past i would always make a trip to the library to get something new and try some different stuff or maybe read some classics i'm not i hadn't picked up yet the access of having that stuff and the the ease of reading it on hot days where I didn't want to go outside. I can just stay inside. I was just binging on, you know, it's, it's, it's like popcorn movies at the movie theater, just like action right. comics or literally action comics, you know, and Superman comics. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but it's stuff that it, it didn't, it was just like a form of me to just like kill some time. It wasn't these sort of in-depth, more uh, substantial type books that I find I'm, probably going to read more often 
you know, in the, in the fall and winter, like I mentioned. So that, it was interesting to see that, like, yeah, I have access to like all these image books, all these amazing series that I people have been telling me to read. But I gonna I'm gonna go back and read these John Bird superhero comics, and they're not gonna be good. But I'm gonna just keep plowing through six volumes of them for some reason. So um, right, right, it's an interesting dynamic uh, to see that. And I'm I'm curious if that's gonna when I run out of eighty Superman comics to read, what else am I gonna binge read? Hopefully, uh, something a bit more interesting. Uh, Paul, let's be honest. You're going to binge read all of the old X-Men books because I know you want to. I know you're going to go back and read all those wacky adventures. <laughs> <laughs> all those wacky adventures. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, when I think of something a little bit more in depth, you know, the, those we've talked about on the show before, but those Ed Pisker um, comics, X-Men comics, the uh, Grand Design comics, Yeah, that feels like studying that feels like an autumnal book like back to school like i need to break out my notebook take notes like keep track of everything like it's almost like an academic type of reading when you come to that stuff when one of those issues comes out i have to like sit down and go okay do i have a dedicated hour to actually spend and absorb this book and it it was like that when i read hip-hop family tree i told myself on like a whim one night i was like oh let's just borrow this on comiXology unlimited and we'll read it it's no big deal (laughs) to read an entire volume of hip-hop family tree in a sitting is like a marathon you really like there's so much to take in and that's not like a detriment to the book it's just it is a heavy heavy book that you need to really sit down and process like you would like a very long novel and you if you're not going to read a whole book in a sitting, you're not going to read an Ed Piscor volume in a sitting. That's just right. what it comes down to. And that's not a book like you could, you know, take on a trip or go to the beach and read. Like the, with that book, I remember like reading it and every time that he would mention a song, I'd have to like go on, you know, Spotify or go on my computer and like look up the song to listen to Same. it. You know, that Same. was like, it was a, it was a process. And yeah, like I said, it reminded me of academia, of going back to school in the fall. Like it had that mm-hmm. kind of vibe to it. And books like that are really good to read, I think, in the fall or in the winter when you've got, you know, maybe more time inside that's probably going to be undisturbed because what else are you going to do? Yeah. You know, um, I think that that, that totally works. Uh, Kate, I don't know. Your your winter reads are probably maybe a little different than that. I, I read just binge. <laughs> I've been like binging long running series during the winter. That's kind of been my thing. Like I find an indie book that's got, you know, like or like Chew, for instance, my big reread of Chew is going to happen during the winter. I know it just I can tell because <laughs> I've been sitting on volume 12 since it came out. And I'm like, I'm not reading volume 12 until I reread the entire series. I will like want that that payoff from the end of the book to be as ripe as possible. And I know that I have to reread the entire thing. I think that I probably read more trades during the winter, partially because yes. that whole like bound up in the blanket thing, maybe like it's so cold that you just have to be in bed under four comforters, you know? Um, well, in a trade's <laughs> like a long book to read, so you don't have to keep, you know, putting the bags and boards right. and stuff like that. You just keep picking up trades. Yeah. Right. Also, um, I don't read that many digital comics during the summer, but if I'm already like in bed, my tablet's right next to me in the nightstand, I can't fall asleep, I'll just get something off of Hoopla and I'll, I'll read... Um, a trade before bed because you know if I can't mm-hmm. sleep reading something for an hour and a half is <laughs> a great way to get some <laughs> right. sleep <laughs> um, versus in the summer you know it's it's a lot you know I'm not bound up in a in a blanket or anything maybe I want to get up and move around a little bit more um, it's, it's and I don't have that much time in the summer either I've been really busy so it's easier to just sit down and read something for 15 minutes um, which you know is about how long it takes me to read an issue of something so I feel like I read more issues in the summer for that reason right. 
Yeah, I realize that everything that I'm saying is going against my seasonal read categories because I feel like <laughs> in the springtime, I do a lot of binging, but I also do a lot of binging in the winter. But it's usually like non-Big 2 binging. In the springtime, it's like Big 2 binging of stuff that like, oh, I want to you know catch up on all of Batman, like the Scott Snyder mm-hmm. run of Batman. I'm pretty sure I started that like at the beginning of the year, like in the spring after Nick was like, Mike, you got to read this. And he like got, <laughs> got my throat about it. Um, and so I, I do that. But like the I also did that with Star Wars. Like I think I binge read the first four volumes of Star Wars. Just like in the in the springtime, or maybe that was the summer. I don't know. It felt like it was earlier in the year, but I, I don't know. Springtime is 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 weird for comics because a lot of times we'll see like a lot of big launches of like new number ones that aren't event books. Um, but I don't know. I don't think I find myself reading more of that stuff during the springtime. What about you guys? I don't read that many big two comics to begin with. Like I read, I think was Animal Man published by DC. Yeah. Um, I happened to read all of that recently just because Brian got it out of the library. But I think before that, I mean, I I follow some of the Star Wars stuff, which is Marvel now. Um, Mm -hmm. But man, I mean, I have this giant stack of Mighty Thor, um, one that was uh, the female Jane Foster. Yeah. Yeah. And I still haven't read. I mean, I probably have 20 issues of that that I need to read still that Brian picked Mm -hmm. up that I was following. Yeah. so, man, I'm pretty much just strictly, I mean, independent. I don't know if you'd still consider Image to be independent, but... Um, yeah, sort of. Yeah, Boom, Image, um, uh, some of this actual independent thing, like uh, Benitez for Lady Mechanica. Like, that's pretty much just, that's just pretty much my pl- my whole playbook for the for the years. Gotcha. Well, I mean, th- it's kind of interesting because, you know, being a comic book fan, like my my monthly books that come out or the stuff when I go to the shop every week, like I'm always reading throughout the year. So there's there's stuff that I'm always reading throughout the seasons. Like I'm always going to be reading Batman and Justice League and all that stuff. But the big two, like you said, Mike, like, I think when you get to late spring, early summer, that's when all the big event comics happen, all the crossover stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I think that is what summer feels like to me or spring and summer is like, okay, that's when you're going to have the big justice league crossover. And that's where you're going to have the big event that I'll yeah, buy then- every issue of and be disappointed in. Like, I just, I know like that's, and I think that that type of reading experience is tie- tied to those seasons for me. Yeah. And the spring can be like a lot of ramp up too. Like you'll see some sunsetting of series. You'll just for like new number ones coming up to the summer. Um, Cause I, I looked at my, my, my like actual list and I noticed that during the springtime, like especially around like end of March, early April, see a lot of new number ones coming out um, and a lot of new number ones that I checked out. And so like in the same same goes for this year. Like I think around March, April, what is when I picked up a lot of new number ones and tried them like come into me, number one, eternity girl um, again, volume one, but that's a, that's a manga metal beard saga. Oh, that's an old book. What am I talking about? <laughs> uh, but I tried, I tried Gideon falls. I tried a bunch of stuff. And then in 2017, you know, we've got X-Men blue, number one, black cloud number one um a bunch of rose number one um night owl society number one which everybody should go read night owl society it's a really cool book little three issue mini series that came out from idw but uh yeah it's it's it seems like there's a lot of like you know renewal it's spring it's like everything's following these traditional (laughs) like myths of the seasons in a lot of ways 
Um, and then hmm. summer re- things really start to ramp up and we kind of see the like make or break of a lot of these books. And if they don't make it past the summer, then we get this weird thing like you, you see in the movie industry where they'll try a bunch of weird shit in the fall and winter to see if it sticks. Yeah. And then if it does, like we'll see like the following fall and winter where you got like a mini franchise kind of building. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. Interesting to like actually think about this because I never. I swear before the, Kate brought up this topic, I was like, "What do the seasons have to do with comic books?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I've noticed I tend to pick up number ones in batches. Also, like I'll I'll think, "Oh, I shouldn't start any new series." You know, I've got enough comics I have to read, and then I go to the shop and I pick up you know four number ones at a time, and then six months will go by before I pick up another one. But I'd have to mm-hmm. I'd have to go back and check if that's a seasonal thing. I know that I did it at the, around the beginning of the summer when um, I think Submerged and Vagrant Queen were both um, pretty new series, and that was a few months ago. So, yeah, and I think when it comes to the big two, like they kind of have a more predictable schedule about when they're going to close series and when they're going to start them because they're very rigid about their release schedule, um, whereas. You'll see from other publishers like Black Mask or Aftershock or even even like Vertigo or Image in some cases, you'll see, and Boom Studios, you'll see books end at like issue 11, you'll see books have a huge delays and like three more issues will come out. And so their release schedule for new number ones to kind of fill that slot that is now gone from a maybe a limited series that ended after some delays or something like that, like they don't really they can't really follow those like rigid schedules that Marvel and DC have because their release schedules are a little bit more wacky but i would guess that in an ideal world they would probably try to launch things alongside that but maybe they're also trying to counter the idea of well you know Marvel and DC launch all their new number ones in April and May. Let's do all of ours in June, July, because maybe people didn't continue the number twos for some of those books, and they're looking for something to fill in their their pull list because they have a budget or something. Um, I'm, you know, this is under the assumption that comic book buyers are predictable and they have budgets for comics and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I, I'm also, I, I think that. Like if a book is interesting, you know, you'll try a number one, but that's like a, that's a whole other discussion about things. But I wonder what the mentality is. Like, I'd love to get in the heads of some of these publishers just to hear how they counteract with, you know, a big spillover of, you know, like Marvel or DC. They'll be like, all right, we're relaunching everything. And it starts off at new number ones for like 12 different books. You know, what, how do they deal with that month? If they also had a number one coming out, do they delay it a month? Do they try to release it earlier? So on and so forth. Yeah, that, that's kind of interesting because I, I wonder if the sort of seasonal cycle we're seeing is tied more to like, you know, the fiscal year or business practices or even like con season. So you figure if you have all your big cons in the oh, yeah. in the early spring, they're going to announce books. And obviously they're going to announce books that come out like, like two or three months from then. Mm-hmm. So that kind of leads you into the summer, you know, so once we get your big launches and stuff. And because of the way the direct market works, everyone's sort of, sort of thinking like three months in advance, you know. Right. So right. it kind of changes that dynamic. So I think with the big two, you basically have a release schedule that's been, I would imagine, kind of set and has been set for decades. But with smaller publishers, they're not really tied to that stuff. You know, they don't have to rely on, um, maybe they have to rely on a direct market as much or previews or the con season as much as the big two to promote their stuff you know yeah 
It's also a question of how does digital affect that, um, like how like sales on the digital market, like how to like in promotion and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you know there are publishers out there, and I, I'm only using this as an example. I know nothing about the the information here, but like maybe AfterShock sells a lot more digital than they do physical books, and so they try to position um, their new number ones to come out on like weeks that they know other books aren't going to be coming out. So like you know there are lighter weeks and heavier weeks um, as the year goes on. Like you specifically see that during the winter, um, you know near the end of the year when like the national holidays will come up in the United States it's like okay well we can't release on Christmas and New Year's because I know there was a week that that happened and a million books came out the week before Christmas (laughs) (laughs) because it was like we just have to get these out before people can't go to their shops Um, but maybe digital publishers don't have that problem or you know heavy publishers on digital don't have that problem because they're like whatever Mm -hmm. it's just Christmas day for some of these people and they're just you know going to jump on their website that the internet doesn't close just because you know it's a it's a national holiday in the United States yeah Um, Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, but I mean, this is this is kind of into the weeds of something completely different than like our right. actual reading habits. Right. Um, but I know that that does kind of affect things because if you do pick up a, a book on Wednesday, you're not necessarily always reading that book on Wednesday. Uh, maybe you save it for the weekend. Maybe you save it for a time where that book feels right to read. Even mm-hmm. you know, maybe you start buying that horror book in the middle of the summer and then you don't read it until it's around October just to actually feel extra spooky about things because you've got like <laughs> skeletons dangling from your ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you live your life, Hopefully people. I, you know, <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of curious, though, because I was thinking about this topic, and I realized that there are certain books that I, I associate with certain seasons or times of year. Maybe it's because that's when I first read it, or it, it fits the mood I'm in. So I'm wondering if you have certain books that match each season. The one that came to mind for me for Autumn is Black Hole by Charles Burns. Um yeah, which yeah. I, I don't know if we talk about this book on the show. It's, it's a classic book. It came out in the early two thousands. It's kind of like a body horror David Cronenberg esque story. So it fits the Halloween spirit, but in my mind, just it being set in the Pacific Northwest, the sort of tone of the book, the look of it, it feels like an autumnal book. And I, I, I it, it's a book I always kind of return to, want to reread this time of year. Are there other books like that for you guys that you have that connection with? So I mentioned witches earlier for October, but I think I read witches yeah. and trees around the same time. So anytime that I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, I should re-re-re-witch witches again, I immediately think, oh, and also trees, which has nothing to do with fall. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Lumberjanes, I don't remember when I started reading it, but it, it takes place outside for the most part in the woods, and I associate that with summer. So particularly okay. around the start of the summer, I always want to start reading Lumberjanes again, but... I'm so behind at this point. <laughs> I didn't do that this year. <laughs> gotcha. I, for me, I think it's weird. I think I read Snowblind in the middle of the summer. And so that book that's all about the winter makes me think of the summer for some reason. I know that the book Jonesy was coming out like over a winter period at some point, And that book doesn't have a wintry feel at all. But it, it reminds me of winter, like being really cold in my old apartment, reading that book on my computer. Um, yeah, I, I, I think otherwise, like... I, I always feel like manga books fit in the summer, especially like high action books. Like, like I said before, like your bleaches, your your Naruto, your whatever. Like those books that are just like high action and fighting and being goofy because 
teenage boys are weird, I guess. That just feels <laughs> like a it feels like a summer thing to me. Um, and so I don't I don't think I read as much manga, but I do read or during the winter. But there are books that I have like uh, this this delicious and dungeon book that I know that I've ra- I've ranted and raved about. Always reminds me of the spring because that book in itself constantly fe- feels like it's in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I've been reading it like month to month when it's been coming out in the U.S., um, it feels like a spring book. And uh, just because the whole book is kind of about like this weird idea of renewal um, to a certain extent. Um, and yeah, that's, that's I don't know. Otherwise, I don't really have like a huge tie to things. I, a lot of things remind me of high school in a weird way because I used to read a lot of books. <laughs> I don't know if I told this story on the show, but when I was first really getting into comics, it was like my senior year of high school. And so I, what I would do is I would go to Barnes and Noble on the weekend and then I would bring just stacks of trades to, to school on Monday and I would leave them in my locker and I would trade them, I would hand them off to me and my buddy. So I would read a volume, I'd finish it, I'd hand it off to my buddy, but we would read it in the middle of class. Like we'd sit in the back of the room and we'd read. So like a lot of these new, like these books I was talking about before, like New X-Men by Grant Morrison, New X-Men Academy X by Christos Gage and uh, Chris Yost, those books really remind me of like the fall and winter um, because I was reading them in school during the fall and winter. Uh, okay. So yeah, I mean, but otherwise I don't really have like a strong seasonal remembrance for a lot of these books. It's, but it's interesting to think about that. I know that I've like tried to read comics at the beach during the summer and I've always been like, that's just a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 been it's interesting. Like again, I I really was confused about this this topic, but I'm I'm glad we got to talk about it because it's it's got a, it's got an interesting tie. I'm really curious to know what other people think about. It. I think I said this before we started recording. It'd be really interesting to have other people on the show to talk about this because there's like a lot to explore. And I, of course, the one thing that I love about this show the most is understanding how people, you know enjoy comic books to a certain extent or like how they read them how they organize them how they tie them to their own personal moods and stuff like i know because i think a lot of the books that i read are very mood based in a lot of ways like i'll open up my comiXology like what what i have to read all my unread books and i'm just like oh i don't think i have it in me to sit down and read east of west tonight like <laughs> like i'm not <laughs> mentally ready to do that um yeah. Or, yeah. like, if I'm feeling really charged, I'll, you know, I'll sit down and I'll pick up my copies of Uber that I have sitting around that are, I constantly am, like, always reading that in batches because I know it's just like Second Genesis, or excuse me, um, X-Men Grand Design, there's a lot to comprehend in those books, um, simply because they're about World War II and you kind of have to cross-reference your own mind about, like, what would have happened in World War II with this weird, crazy, what if the Nazis got the bomb first, but it was actually a superhuman thing, which is that book. Uh, so, I don't know, I... I I I don't think that my moods are necessarily like wholly reflected by the seasons, like in a way that's conscious to me. I don't well, know. I, th- I I think that's the thing. I didn't really make any of these connections about the seasons and my reading habits till I was forced to think about it. So it's, it's something you don't even notice in the moment. So totally. that's why I think it'd be interesting to have, uh, you know, other people, or listeners, or other people on the show, kind of maybe chime in with their thoughts and say like, yeah, I've noticed this because. It's something I don't think you really think about until you're prompted to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess uh, unless there was other any other major points you always wanted to get to, I mean, final thoughts on this on this topic, Kate. I I'm really glad you brought it up. Like, I don't mean to sound like I'm shitting on it because I think it's a really cool idea. Um, I just 
I, I feel like I need to do an even deeper think about it before right. <laughs> uh, no. before we talk about it again. I mean, I only I only realized how my taste changed throughout the year when I went back and had to kind of reorganize my Goodreads read list a little bit because it was so over, overwhelming and disorganized. And then also with the fall coming up, I'm like, well, got to read Witches again. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. I mean that's in that now I realize why I pull out uh, All Star Superman every every spring. If it's mm-hmm. a spring book, that's when you read it. It just makes sense, you know. Interesting, man. I, I I don't know if I if I've done that. Like if I've said like I gotta read this this year. Um, I've done that. Well, I would say I think I've done that with I Killed Giants, and that usually happens right around springtime. And I want to yeah. feel bad for some reason. <laughs> uh, and I uh, like don't get me wrong. That book is one of the most wonderful magical comics that exist. And, like, I read the comic, I watched the movie, I've read the comic a dozen times. It's so fucking solid. But I, I feel like the only times I've actually read it were, like, in the springtime when you should, like, feel this this sense of rebirth and renewal and, like, mm-hmm. like jolliness. And yet, I'm just like, no, 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 bring me back fucking down. Let's do this. <laughs> well, it's got that big storm at the end, too. And then, of course, she's, like, tracking through, like, these muddy woods and everything. It's very, I mean, yeah. the, the weather and everything in it is very spring-like. Totally. That's totally true. Yeah. Well, now, okay, so we're going to have to do this topic again is what it sounds like. And <laughs> yeah, sorry, Kate definitely. and Paul, we'll have to have someone else on the show. But I really <laughs> I really am curious about other people's thoughts on this. So listeners out there, if you have any seasonal comics that you usually come back to, like, let us know. Reach out to us. But otherwise, let's let's wrap up here. You can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Kate at Kate L. Fear on Twitter. You can follow Paul at Oh Hi Pauly. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. And you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. We retweet stuff. We post polls like the one I did today. What is the next superhero movie you're excited about? Because I heard that Venom wasn't great. Well, <laughs> you can find us on Goodreads. We've got weekly threads. Um, this week's thread was actually a resurgence of how do you sort your comics. Um, shout out to Aaron for bringing that back up again. And you can check us out at ircbpodcast.com where we have a pronunciation guide and some merch. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. We appreciate that. It helps us out. Um, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, you can email the show at ircb at destroythesibe.org. And be sure to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. If you sign up to support the show there, you get exclusive early episodes, uh, early access to the episodes, exclusive audio, and a bunch of other cool stuff. Yeah, including the new top of my pile read list that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, which is really cool. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for the show. Xander, he's just a fun-loving guy that just likes high-five skateboarding and tacos. He also edits the show. (laughs) I want to say thank you to Paul and Kate for being on the show this week. Thank you to the listeners and everyone that's reached out to us and been fantastic human beings. So until next time, may the great skies above be beautiful and grand while you're outside in the waning hours of this summer as you read comic books it's not really summer anymore but it feels like summer in new york because i'm sweating my ass off so (laughs) thank you guys for joining me this week and we will check you next time Okay, so I yesterday I went to this uh, Saturday. There was like this this Comicsology sponsored um, 
party at, at this bar in the Lower East Side. And so I went to my buddy's birthday party where, by the way, his birthday party was at a place where we threw axes. Like, that's what we did. We, like, <laughs> okay. f- like medium-sized axes you threw over your head at a dartboard-style thing made completely out of wood. So wow. you could get, you know, points anywhere between one and five. And so we split up into two teams and played, like, six versus six. It was – or five versus five. It was It was a massively fun time, but my back is now – very very upset with me um anyways but after that uh kelly and i had like all this stuff from the con so we were like all right let's let's go home this place that we're at it was in brooklyn and then this other place that we were going to go to where this party was was in the lower east side and we're like okay well we can that's like a not too complicated of a journey for us so we uh got home dropped off all of our stuff like Kelly like washed her face and I like changed my shirt because I'd been sweating profusely all day in it and then uh, we just ran out the door and got in the on a train and so we got there and we're talking to some people that I know um, from work and (laughs) some some these two women walk up to us and they're like oh hey and everyone's like oh my gosh can't believe you're here blah 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 we had such a good time at Thought Bubble and I was like oh you guys you guys know each other from Thought Bubble that's really cool who I don't know who these people are by face and they introduced themselves (laughs) and one person introduced herself as Lisa and the other introduces herself as Baz and I was like oh it was very nice to meet you and Lisa turns to everybody and she's like oh you you guys all work at you know comiXology that's really cool she turns to the group and she says, "Hey, does anybody want a drink? I'm gonna go get some." And I was like, "Oh no, I'm not. I'm not drinking because I had already like partied my ass off on Thursday. I was like, I can't do it again. We got the podcast and stuff." But I was just like, "No, thank you. I really appreciate it, but I'm I'm just not having anything else. I had one beer and I'm gonna leave in a second. And she goes, "Oh, well, that's too bad because I'm gonna drink a lot and I have to go to the con tomorrow. <laughs> but I'll be right back." So she turns away and uh, the one of the guys I work with he like grabs me by the shoulder. He goes, "Mike, do you know who that was?" And I was like. No, she introduced herself as Lisa. She's like, yeah, that was, uh, that was Tula Lote. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, she uh, wanted to buy you a drink, and you just said no. So I just want you to sit with that while she goes and gets a drink. <laughs> and I, like, put my hands to my face. And the other person I knew that was there, uh, she was just like, are you okay? And I'm just like, oh, my God, what did I do? <laughs> That's funny. I mean, she was she was really nice about it. Like, um, she ended up not coming back to like the where we were sitting because she got sidetracked by like twenty other people that were talking to her that recognized her by face, unlike me. And uh, so Kelly and I went to leave, and um, we said goodbye, and she gave me a hug, and she was real nice about it. Uh, so. <laughs> But she was like, "Oh, it was so nice to meet you." And she's got like the most pleasant voice in the entire world. Honestly, I it was a a great way to like end my con experience for New York City Comic Con this year. So that's that's kind of like the long and short of it. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Otherwise, you know, the con was good. That's I just uh, I I walked way too much and I shook the hands of Claudio Sanchez a couple times because he's a cool guy and he was at Evil Inc. And what else? I don't know. I, I just walked around a lot and talked to a ton of people that I didn't know and gave Ms. Discards and stickers to a lot of people. I was just well, telling Paul this, but yeah. yeah, you know, that's great. Apparently, the 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 new I read comic book stickers are going over really well. People really like that faux Justice League yeah. look. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. All you listeners left. out there, <laughs> I <think laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing. I I might have to just order a second batch and just like send them out in mass because I do want to mail all those to the Patreon folks and. Um, yeah, now but, that yeah. I don't have very many of the original yellow ones, I really like those now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I bought, so last year, so Emerald City, I bought a book from first, uh, first Second, and they gave me a copy of volume two of this series called Wires and Nerves. 
Yeah. Okay, so Kate, okay, I knew that you knew about it, right? Yes, it's so uh, good. And it's supposed to be really good. Well, Sorry, I go know the backstory of all of it. I read the whole YA series that comes before it. So to okay. me, it was like a new glorious addition to this universe. But Okay, so that was the question I was going to say. I, I wasn't sure if it was you or if it was Kate Scotchless that had read this and was well, super both. into it. Yeah. Okay, so should I read the novels oh before I read the graphic novel? <laughs> I'm actually interested to see what you think without reading the okay. YA series first because I think... Like, I think that it would, it would be a good standalone book, but I want to know from somebody who hasn't read the rest of it. Gotcha. Um, but I do recommend the YA series. So. Okay. Okay. That, no, that's that's fine. Because I, I, the reason why I bring it up is because, one, I went over, I was, like, walking by the first, second booth, or it wasn't first, second, it was actually tour, but, mm-hmm. like, first, second was partnered with them or something like that because i think that they published the the graphic novels like with in conjunction together or something and so i was like oh they have volume one here i'll buy it and then i happened to like glance over all the other books that they had and they had the box brown um tetris the games people play Mm -hmm. and i was like Mm -hmm. kelly this book is the fucking best this is the book that i tell everybody to read and uh the woman was working behind the counter like she wasn't like in the conversation but she was just like oh my god she like jumped in she's like i'm sorry I, i didn't mean to eavesdrop but that is one of the best books and blah, blah, blah. And Box Brown is supposed to be very nice. And I was like, that's what I've heard too. Um, <laughs> and so we had this like geeky moment of just like, we really love this guy's stuff. Um, and that was really nice. nice. Um, but yeah, Wires and Nerves. I'm looking, I, I have both volumes. So I figured like I should, I should probably read them now that I own them both. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, yeah, when I was at Emerald City, they didn't have any of the first volume, but they were just giving, literally giving away oh a $25 hardcover. Um, so I was like, I'm not going to say no to that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, then that's, I think, those are the only funny stories that I have from the con, I think, outside of me literally packing up to leave from this bar on Thursday. And like, this is at the big like comicsology party that we had had. I packed up all my stuff because I was like, all right, it's midnight. I've had enough to drink. Kelly, let's go home. I need to go to the con tomorrow. And she was like, okay, good. She was exhausted because she worked a full day. And uh, so <laughs> we, I put my backpack on. We go to leave. I say goodbye to somebody. And then this guy that I work with knows that I'm like a huge sucker for like early 2000s pop punk. <laughs> and so as I'm going to leave, he puts on like a Blink-182 song. And I was like, oh my God. Like I screamed his name across the bar. <laughs> and I was like, I can't leave now. So he plays that song. And then it was followed by uh, Panic at the Disco and then The Killers. And I was like, oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? And of course, so we ended up staying there for like another hour of like screaming, yelling, and dancing. Uh, so in front of all of my like coworkers <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, so that was, that was fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Anyways, that's 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 pretty much it. We can we can do the show now. I just I'm looking <laughs> over my bookshelf of like all the things that I had grabbed and This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two pretty cool folks. I said that last week. <laughs> Let me do that again. 
This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two pretty fantastic human beings. Kate... Fuck. <laughs> What's my name? <laughs> I don't know what your name is. <laughs> I'm all out of sorts. I'm sorry, guys. 